I was told this morning to keep it short because we have presents to open. Well, I can't rush God, <laughs> but uh, I'll try my best to keep it short for everybody. Um, I, think, I think most of you know that I ring the bell for the Salvation Army. I've been with them for quite a few years, um, active in that organization. I love what they do. They love people. So I just have to share my experience over the last two days ringing the bell. I was at Walmart yesterday, and uh, you could just feel the presence. You can feel the spirit uh, of Christmas. I was watching people. It's very fascinating when you watch people, especially uh, in our community and what we have to offer. It's just uh, very, very neat for me to meet different people in our community and, and people that are out of town, etc. So I was watching people coming into the store and you could see this one older guy. I mean, I think probably in his late 60s, he had his umbrella up. He was trying to float his umbrella up. And I'm thinking, man, that guy is really happy today. Uh, and then you can see all the kids come in. Uh, it was raining, and you could see uh, oh, they open their mouths, catching raindrops. And I'm thinking, wow. And then for me, I, uh, I, uh, I would say Merry Christmas to everybody that walked in and walked out. So you, you, you have a, a mix, uh, a combination of mixed reactions to that. And it's always, it's Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, thank you, have a great day. Or, mm, yeah, yeah, really. And then you got your gift givers, uh, or buying the gifts. I don't know about you. Um, how many do you find very difficult buying gifts for family? I, I find it kind of challenging for my, myself, so, but... Uh, I've seen people come into the store, not once, twice, three times, because they've forgotten a gift uh, for someone in their family. And uh, for me, I give a gift that keeps on going. It keeps on going. And it's, uh, it's Merry Christmas and I love you. So that's, that's my gift. But all right, here we are, folks. Uh, we're at that time. We've, we've learned a little bit about what Mary has done. Uh, in her journey to this point of giving birth to Jesus. Uh, Just imagine what she went through uh, in this process uh, that had to take place. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to be reading out of Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And I'll give you time uh, to turn there. So this is the birth of Jesus. Starting with verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augusta issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to, to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judah, Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
So let me ask you this question. Why is, it, why is Jesus worth following? Yes. Now, if I was God, I would uh, plan my entrance into the world a little bit different than what uh, God planned, the birth of his son, Jesus. We have to admit that Jesus is God. He's the Word made flesh. He is Emmanuel. Yet he was born to a virgin teenage girl. A poor but righteous stepdad in a dirty manger. God did this to teach us to be humbled. To go out into the world as he did with all the power and humility. That true power that I'm talking about is not like any other power that we're used to. God's power is due to the worthiness and the righteousness that he provides us. It is reversal of the word's power. So if you look at the word's power, it's a little bit different. Um, The power is made complete in weakness, and we find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Jesus is recognized by most people in the world as a great teacher. Do you agree? I think he is a great teacher. C.S. Lewis says, if he is not God as he is claimed, he is a liar, not a, good, a great teacher. But witness the resurrection and also the statement in John chapter 14, verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such as a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? We're not able to solve that problem of sin. We're not able to recognize and stop it. We cannot forget it or forgive it. So God came as one of us to connect us completely so we can connect with him. The Father points us to the Son, the birth of Christ. I'm also reminded in John chapter 1, verse uh, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We all agree that Jesus is God. Has no beginning, was in the beginning, and was God the source of creation. The term logos is used by the Greek thinkers to refer to his wisdom. He is the wisdom of God, the one who can be followed with the trust and the wisdom that he provides us as we learn about his great sacrifice for us. John 14, chapter 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do we all agree that Jesus is the slave king? The king of slaves, which means he is the greatest servant of all. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45, I read, 
Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of to rule the Gentiles Lord is over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, and just the opposite, whoever wants to become a great, a, a great among you must be your servant, must want to uh, uh, no position, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, must have no authority. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, as we look at the values of the kingdom of God, we're with the reverse of the world's values. Uh, if you look at the world's values, it's so different than what we have to offer as Christians and what Christ has asked to offer for us. Um, let's see. So this scene in the kingdom of Christ being the kingdom of servants, everyone wanted to observe the rest. This is not wanting to be known as being a servant at all. Having the lowest position of all, the king of it, the king of it is the greatest of servants. He is a server. If anyone else could outserve him, then that person would be king. The head server is the king. That position is the one earned by Jesus, the Son of God. This is why the coronation scene of Revelation 5 has John turning to see the lion of Judah who has overcome and seeing the slaughtered sacrifice lamb and all the creation recognizes and sings his power, his worthiness. Remember, just as he is the king of servants, we are the world's servants as well. He serves still through us and by any other means he pleases, we are to be serving now, his greatness is seen in his submission to the cross. If you look at Revelations, where the elders tell John the Lion of Judah has overcome and has all the power, and John looks but sees the sacrificed lamb, and we're reminded in Revelations chapter 5, verse 7 through 14, and I read, He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you were purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation." You have made them to be kingdom of the priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In the loud voice they say, they sang, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb he prays in honor and glory and power forever and ever. 
The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Isn't that a great scripture? So here we are, the birth of Jesus. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus had never been born, what, 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 what do you think it would happen? There would be no salvation from sin. If Christ had not come, his atonement on the cross would never have taken place. And thus there would be no forgiveness, no redemption, no justification, and no salvation. As we look in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, the author of Hebrews connects the reality of Christ's incarnation with his redemptive work on the cross. And it reads, But we do see him who was made for little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So here we are, the birth of Christ. It's up to you where we go next. We have that power to share his goodness and his greatness and his love. So again, it's up to you. As I conclude our sermon this morning, um, I just want to say that if you don't know Christ, you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, It is something to pursue. If you know anybody that is struggling with with sin or struggling with life, we have our pastoral shepherds that are willing to talk with that individual. You can talk to me. But this gift of salvation is such a powerful gift that it propels us as Christians. So, let us pray. Lord, I thank you for coming to earth so you could redeem us. When I think of the extent to which you were willing to go in order to save us, it makes me want to shout, to celebrate, to cry with thankfulness. You loved us so much, and I am so grateful for that love. Without you, we would still be lost and in sin. But because of everything you have done for us, today we are free. Our lives are blessed. Jesus is our Lord. Heaven is our home, and Satan has no right to control us. We will be eternally thankful to you for everything you did to save us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.